When fiscal 2020 finally got enacted, a new agency, two years in development, was finally able to fully hatch. The U.S. International Development Finance Corporation, or DFC, formed out of the old Overseas Private Investment Corporation and elements of the U.S. Agency for International Development. Here with a new mission and organization, DFC's Chief Operating Officer, Edward Burrier. Mr. Burrier, good to have you on. Thanks for having me, Tom. Let's begin with the beginning here and reviewing what are the components from USAID that came over to DFC, because OPIC kind of went in wholesale. That's right. Tom, I'm tremendously proud of the establishment of the U.S. International Development Finance Corporation. And this, this, as you indicated, dates back to the beginning of the Trump administration in 2017, when you may recall that they issued an executive order prompting a, a looking at the reorganization of government. And this prompted a real fresh look at all government agencies, but also the way that the U.S. was set up to do development finance work overseas. And also, simultaneously, the U.S. government became increasingly concerned about the role that China was playing in the developing world. And through this process, the president's proposal for the Development Finance Corporation came to fruition and was proposed in February 2018. And by October 2018, the BUILD Act, bipartisan legislation, was signed into law. As you indicated, part of that was taking OPIC and also combining it with USAID's Development Credit Authority. And USAID's Development Credit Authority operated doing local guarantees with local banks in the developing world. And so it was a program very similar to OPEC's, the, the work that OPEC had been doing. And so there was economies of scale to combine these uh, entities into one government agency. I guess it's safe to say that this whole process is much easier when the administration and Congress all agree that it should happen. The stars really did align for us in in the establishment of the DFC, and I I think that says a lot of things about, one, the work that OPIC has done historically to have confidence in, in, in the role that we're playing in the developing world. Two, and Congress is united when when working together to solve these challenges in the developing world. And we're providing financing to do that. Um, People understand on a bipartisan basis that these challenges aren't going to be met with government resources alone, that we have to be bringing in the private sector in order to provide financing to to meet the challenges. And so there was great, tremendous buy-in and support uh, for the mission. And and as you indicated, the legislation was passed in in record time. And and also our new CEO, Adam Bowler, also was uh, nominated and confirmed uh, very expeditiously by the Senate. It sounds like the mission is a combination of national security topics, perhaps, things the Peace Corps might be involved with, things the State Department, even Homeland Security. It seems like an amalgam of objectives here in fostering this development. How would you describe the mission? I think you've hit on something that is there are key differences between OPIC and the DFC. And one of them is that Um, Congress clearly expects the DFC to play a larger foreign policy role in the the projects that it is supporting. Under OPIC, I I think a criticism was that it was reactive to the development space and the projects that it would support. Part of that was the way that the the restrictions that were on OPIC – um, under the BUILD Act, the new agency will have a lot more flexibility in the types of projects it can support and where it can support them. And I think that's where the foreign policy objective then comes into play. 
And so we do have a board that is both private sector individuals, but also the Secretary of State is the chairman, USAID administrator is the vice chairman. And so clearly through that, you see that the um, expectation is that we'll take on a larger role uh, that DFC will play in U.S. foreign policy. We're speaking with Edward Burrier. He's the chief operating officer of the new U.S. International Development Finance Corporation. And just let's talk about inside baseball for a minute. What was involved in bringing in the people from USAID, getting the OPIC people to buy on to the expanded and somewhat altered mission? And how are you bringing this all together in terms of the gearbox? I will say I'm really proud of the work that we've done over over the past year plus to have a very smooth transition. It was about uh, 40 people from the the USAID DCA office, so relatively small for for other agencies, but for OPIC, an agency of about 300 people, that is a big change for us. We benefit in that OPIC had a, had a strong structure in place. We're, we're, we are a brand new agency, but we're we're in the same building. We, we, we occupy the same office space as we did before. So some of that, those nuts and bolts were already in place and we're able to, to build off of them. But I will say that obviously when you bring in a new set of people from a different agency, there's the potential for um, different cultures or, or work cultures, our new employees and, and uh, are, are tremendously innovative and, and I think feel very at home here, and, and uh, they're going to be a tremendous benefit to us. Now, does the DFC provide direct financing, or does it back financing from local sources in the developing countries or a combination? So we are um, we provide uh, financing in a variety of ways. Our, our tools are um, we'll provide direct loans, we'll do loan guarantees, we'll do political risk insurance, and one of the key differences with Build Act is we've now been given the authority to make equity investments. We also have now the ability to do technical assistance and feasibility studies on different projects. So we think with these new tools, we'll be more equipped to have more development impact across the board. How many nations are you in and which is the place where you're most involved? Well, we are obviously, the developing world is our sweet spot. Congress is pushing us. Our our focus is on the less developed countries. Um, So we're looking at Latin America, um, Africa, South Asia. We are OPIC probably supported projects in about 90 countries, uh, I would say, had a portfolio of about 650, 700 projects that it supports. And so we're looking across the board. You know, the, the great thing about DFC is that we are doing everything from small loans that are going to going to benefit a woman entrepreneur in the developing world, whether it's a bakery or, or small shop and, and, and have capital to increase the size of their business, all the way up to the larger power plant projects and, and infrastructure that are so critical to help grow these economies. I'll tell you, Tom, last summer, I traveled to Jordan, and I got a chance to see, again, I met a woman who has started a, a driving school for women in in Amman. And uh, she got a a loan to expand her business through us. And she said to me, I'm here because of you. I'm here because of the support that the the U.S. government has provided. I visited the power plants that we finance there through AES, a company, uh, Arlington uh, nearby, um, that provides uh, 20% of Jordan's electricity. Um, There's also a water project we finance there, supplies 
50% of Jordan's water uh, supply. Um, I think about how critical those projects are to Jordan, a critical ally in the Middle East. And again, those are things that OPIC was able to do with its more limited toolkit. And now when we have our um, um, uh, the full suite of financial tools available to us, I just think that the impact that we are going to be able to have is potentially limitless. And when it comes to a big infrastructure project like power or water, it's safe to, I guess, assume that the leaders in a project like that would be aware of DFC and know what's going on in the United States and have some understanding of international finance. But if a woman in Jordan or someone, say, in Guatemala wants to start a small business, how would they even know to get to you and how would they get to you? Sure. Well, I think for these smaller projects, a lot of times the way those work is that we will do lending to a financial institution in those countries and then they will do the smaller loans out to those individuals. So we may, um, we just did um, a, a large loan to a bank in Ghana um, that was looking for uh, increased size of capital that they could then be focused on growing the small, medium enterprise sector in the country. So that's kind of generally how we would structure those so that we work through local institutions that are going to be best equipped to get to the the, the man on the street, so to speak. And what sort of oversight and auditability do you have in banks in countries like that, such that you know the money is ending up where you hope it does? Sure, sure. We have uh, very close monitoring of, of all of these projects, lending that we do out to make sure that, again, that things are getting to the recipients that they require. Um, and we monitor all these projects on a regular basis, um, that's a, a, another kind of aspect of Build Act was um, placing a greater emphasis on the the development impact and monitoring of these projects to know that we're having the benefit that we see. Sounds like you're enthusiastic about this work. I am. It is an exciting place to work. It is a combination of of private sector of working in finance with some of the biggest issues that we face today in the developing world the the battle for influence across the globe is on and we've had one arm tied behind our back we now are able to get into this space in a big way and tom opic's investment cap was 29 billion dollars by statute congress doubled that to 60 billion dollars so we have a lot of, we have very, very powerful tools that we can put into place to advance our foreign policy interests, and it's just a very exciting time to be here. Edward Burrier is the Chief Operating Officer of the U.S. International Development Finance Corporation. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. You think your dog deserves the best for the holidays. BarkBox knows they do. And the best is exactly what BarkBox delivers every month. You'll get fun-themed goodies curated for your dog, and you'll be joining a community of pups and their people. We're celebrating sugar season with a double batch of irresistible toys, treats, and chews from our season sweetings-themed box. To start spoiling your dog and get your free upgrade, visit BarkBox.com podcast. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. 
Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.